If you guys would stand with me, we're going to worship the Lord. Does that sound good? I'm going to pray really quick. Father God, we usher your spirit into this place. God, this is a school Monday through Friday, but this morning we know that this is a house of worship, and we worship you, Lord. Would you be honored and glorified, and would you do something in our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son.
Glory to God. Let's give God a hand praise here in this place. Hello, my name is Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us here at Discovery Community Church. When you came in today, you got one of these envelopes here today. Hopefully you got one. If you didn't, feel free to go back and grab one. Um, inside of this welcome packet is a, uh, a connection card. And I want to encourage you to uh, check out this connection card and fill it out. This is how we connect with you, get to know you. Um, also, how we can connect with you for prayer. If you need prayer, if you have any tangible needs or something that's going on in your life, this is how we can find out about it. Um, we won't sell this information to anyone. It's literally to get to know you better. Um, All In is coming. Um, if you don't know about All In, All In is the op your opportunity to continue um, connecting and, and growing here at Discovery Community Church. And All In is going to happen the next two Sundays. So that's February 4th and February 11th. If you've been uh, attending Discovery for some time, maybe you've already... Oh, I'm sorry. Please go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> I was like, they're so attentive. <laughs> All In is your opportunity uh, to get to know more about what it means to, to live and serve and have life here at Discovery Community Church. And so signing up for All In does not commit you to a membership, but it does give you an opportunity to be informed about what commitment you may make. And so again, that's going to be February 4th and 11th. We want you to attend both services. So go ahead and get your phone out and block out that time. Go to lunch afterwards. Um, not on me. So again, next, <laughs> next Sunday, the next two Sundays, February 4th and February 11th, All In. Um, and it's a commitment that we hope you will take seriously um, as you consider um, doing life uh, uh, more focused here at Discovery Community Church. So you can register. There is a QR code inside of your uh, packet there. Um, you can visit our website. Uh, go to discoverydiscochurch.com uh, and you can uh, find the events tab or you can kick it old school and analog and just find someone in the foyer and let them know that you like to attend All In. Again, February 4th, February 11th, right here. Um, great. So here's what you can expect. In just a moment, we're going to continue worshiping in prayer. And for, if you like, you can go ahead and stay seated and just listen to uh, our, the, the praise and just let it just, just be a part of that moment. There's not a lot of times in our week where we get to just sit and just be. And so if you want to take that opportunity, you can. But when you hear the music starting, if you want, you can um, stand. We'll continue to worship. Um, and then we'll uh, receive teaching from Pastor John. We'll worship by giving back to God. And then you'll be dismissed to enjoy the rest of your weekend. So, again, thank you so much for joining us here at Discovery Community Church. You guys want to stand and join us? song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. 
in your presence in a grace so relentless i am one by perfect love i'm wrapped within the arms of heaven in a peace that lasts forever sinking deep in mercy see and i'm
Your love so deep, your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I seek. You are received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread, and whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Father, we stand today humbly. Well aware of the Intense and big, insurmountable separation between heaven and earth. And when we say that, we recognize that there's a general separation between heaven and earth. But we are well aware of the separation that exists very personally. For these hands, they've been a part of things that has made them stained. These eyes have chosen to stare into places that have only opened a window into our soul. And there has been havoc in our soul 
in our heart, in our mind. And when we talk about the separation between heaven and earth, we know that that's personal and that I have sinned and I have fallen short of the goodness and glory of God. But in the incredible goodness of God, in your incredible goodness, you sent Jesus. Not for well put together and well manicured and smiley people, but you sent your son Jesus for broken people like me. This morning, as we come to take this Lord's Supper and proclaim your death, we do it humbly, recognizing how deeply we need your son Jesus, how deeply we have needed his work on the cross. And may his resurrection on the third day be real in us too. In Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to come and take the elements. At Discovery, we invite everyone to come uh, on on one um, clarifying statement, which is found there in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 gives us an instruction that only people who have given their lives to Jesus should partake of the Lord's Supper. And that doesn't mean that you've gone to church before. It doesn't mean that you're a good person or a good American. It means that there's been a time in your life that you said, Jesus, I need you, and I ask you to save me. And if you've not done that and you're not ready, we never ask you here at this church to play a part. So if there's something prohibiting you and you know, like, I just can't honestly walk forward, nobody's keeping score today. You also may be here and you've said yes to Jesus and you know, you remember when you were 35 or you're 25 or 15 and you said yes to Jesus and he came in, it was so glorious. But somehow, somewhere along the way, you got derailed and you're a Jesus follower, but man, you just feel a little dirty today and you feel like, I just don't know. Here's what I would ask you to do. While everybody's getting up and making their way forward to grab these elements, I want you to take just one moment before the Father and say this. Dear God, I know that you saved me through your son Jesus, and I know that I've been a wayward kid. And I want you to forgive me. You might even name the thing. I know what I said and what I did, and I feel such shame about it. I'm just confessing it to you. And 1 John gives us this beautiful, this beautiful promise that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So right here in your seat, while everybody's getting up and coming to take these moments, this, this moment, you can say, Jesus, will you forgive me? And I want you to know at that very moment, you are absolutely pure. You don't have to continue to wallow in it or carry that weight. You can get up and be free. And then I want you to get up and make your way to the end of the line. And I want you to come down here and I want you to take the elements and say, I'm taking today because not what I've done, but I'm taking as a celebration of what you have done in someone like me. Amen.
Amen. So anyway, come, and I want some of you to be brave and be the first here. Make your way down the center aisle, and they're going to give you a bread, some bread and juice, and then you're going to take it back to your seats, and then you take it whenever you want to. You can take it on your own. You can take it with somebody. I leave that up to you.
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a work of God. A work of God so that no person can boast. Jesus. 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 May the work of the cross powerful work of the empty grave be alive in some regular people like us. In Jesus, we pray together. Amen. 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 Everybody say amen together. Amen. You said, you said together. Okay. Ah, that's good. We, we almost could go home. Almost, almost. We're really close. Kind of, kind of not too. So, hey, welcome again to Discovery Community Church. Thank. We give a big thank you to the worship team again for their leadership this morning. And I want to welcome you to Discovery, not just Discovery, but Habits. Uh, this is our series right now. It's called Habits. Um, we're talking about how the stuff of earth and the stuff of heaven collide. And um, the impact that the stuff of earth has on the stuff of heaven. So we're talking about here in January. And, you know, I just want to kind of recap a few things. Um, The small decisions that you and I make every day that turn into actions. Those actions, if they have some level of routine, um, some level of consistency in our life, they become part of us. They shape us. They shape our character and who we are. And when our character is shaped, our circle is shaped. We tracking? Like when, when a person, when a man or a woman, when they change and Jesus begins to kind of shine through them, it changes not just them, but it changes their entire circle. And when your circle, when your family, when the people that you navigate and do life with, when they are changed, the world changes. I don't think I can overstate how incredibly important your small daily decisions can be. I don't think we can overstate today how important your life is into God's movement for the entire world, that God wants to impact the entire world through you in your corner of the world is not as small as you think it is. Amen? Okay, a little more enthusiasm? Like, 
like your corner of the world is not nearly as small as you think it is. Your decisions can change the world. And I think that right now in the month of January, God is wanting to do something in you. He's wanting to invite you into a new way to live in 2024. And so that's what we've been talking about this entire month. Now, before I dive in, I just want to share a little lament I have. And a lament I have is I miss TV. Some of you, some of you are not tracking with me yet because like TV has changed. Like today in 2024, when I say TV, most of you immediately think of this thing that's on a stand in a room or it's on the, on the mounted on the wall and it's plugged into all sorts of things. You know, it's connected to a bunch of different things. Are we there? Like today when you think of TV, you just think of a monitor, right? That's connected to whatever you want to be connected to. But that's not how I grew up. When I grew up, TV was the way we were connected to the world. And when I say we were connected to the world, I mean that we literally would all gather in a room in a certain place uh, in our little circle of the world, but with another like, I don't know, 20 million people, and we would experience the same thing together. Like, I think it was 9 o'clock on Thursdays, we would all sit down to find out what was happening with Ross and Rachel. Anybody? A couple of you remember that? Like, that's the only way you could find out what was happening with Ross and Rachel. Is if you carved, you shut the world down at Thursday night. And I remember that because I was actually doing college ministry. And we had to change college ministry time because it messed with friends, right? So you guys remember TV like that? Like, that's the TV I remember. It was, it was our way to, like, encounter the rest of the world. And I don't mean just the shows that we watched. Some of the the greatest events, like everybody encountered together at the same time. I I remember when like launching a rocket into space was a big deal. Anybody? A few old people you're going to say like this. If you're nodding, you're old. Okay. So um, like I remember like it was a big deal weeks before the rocket would be launched into space you would start turning on and there'd be something about the rocket and there'd be these videos of um, steam coming out of uh, the rocket. Does anybody remember this? Just videos of just steam. You turn on and be like, there's more steam. Something's happening, right? Or you'd see like these workers, you know, bustling around the base of this rocket and as they would get closer, there'd be like uh, shots of astronauts getting ready to be launched into space and occasionally they'd interview an astronaut. Anybody remember any of this? And as the days would get closer, you'd start having video feeds of people gathering on a beach with binoculars in their 1970 vans. Anybody? Anybody remember? And so there'd be all this stuff. And then if you're in school, the, the teacher would rattle into the room a metal cart with a, with a TV strapped with some sort of like, you know, strap holding it down, and they would, they'd roll it in front of the class, and you'd sit there, and you'd watch this footage, and as you get closer, it'd be like more teachers would do it. Every class you'd go into, there was more and more until the day of the launch. You guys remember the day of the launch of the rocket into this great adventure? The entire world would shut down, and every eye would be sitting in the same place, watching the same thing, having the same experience, and there would be this this person that would come on and they'd say, T minus 30 minutes. 
And then they talk about stuff, and then somebody come on and say, T minus 15 minutes. T minus 10 minutes. And if you're in a classroom with one of those rickety TVs, they'd say T minus three minutes, and everybody would put their pencils down. You'd stop whatever you're doing. You'd stop all your conversations. And then they'd be like, T minus one minute. And you guys would remember like 10 seconds before you're watching the screen and the, the steam would pick up and you'd see things igniting on the screen and they would say, you guys remember? 10, 9, 8, everybody with me? 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. I'm going to pause right there. There's nothing, there's nothing going to explode up here, okay? <laughs> Some of you are looking around, you're like, what's What's happening? But it was, like, it was like millions of us were just watching with this anticipation together, counting down. I, I kind of missed that. Luke chapter 12 is very much like that. And I'm not exaggerating. Luke chapter 12, Jesus has, is, is pushing the rocket on those big treads over to the launch pad, and he's getting ready to launch this incredible adventure, this incredible movement. And it begins in Luke chapter 12, right at the beginning. Um, we talked about this three weeks ago. Scholars say that this is what they call the height of Jesus' earthly ministry. People have flocked from all over. There's maybe around 50,000 people that have crowded in around Jesus. They want to hear what he's got to say. They want to watch what he's going to do. And this is amazing. They're excited. The movement is just so awesome. Like when people say you could, you know, like you could sense it and cut it with a knife. That's kind of the thing. There's so much excitement. You could like cut it with a knife. And in the middle of this great movement, Luke says, right in the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus turns his attention from the movement and he turns it to, to his disciples. And he starts investing in his disciples and he says, guys, T minus 10, 9. He says, beware of religious theater. I'm getting ready to launch something, but you must invest in your soul. Religious theater, it's hypocrisy. It's when the heart doesn't match the part that you're playing. And so Jesus says, before we go anywhere, before we get this thing on the launch pad, you have to invest in your heart. And so week one, I challenged us as a church, like in 2024, carve out time for God's word and prayer. Don't continue to do this religious game, right? Don't play religious theater. Don't become an accidental hypocrite in your life. Invest in your heart. And then Jesus says, T minus eight, seven. And he says, now watch out for your eyes. We have this tendency to see the world through the lenses of a ledger. We look what they have and what they won't give what I should have and what I want and what I need. He talks about greed. He says, beware, it's, it's, it's preying on us. We, we look at the world through the lenses of a ledger. He says, the root of that is the root of all evil. T minus seven, six, five. He says, we live in a world of worry. Anxiety is bubbling up all around us. 
that's trying to take you out. And I'm encouraging you to stand, take the posture of faith and trust. I encourage us as a church during this whole process to stay in community. Like you and I need community to keep our feet planted in a righteous life when there's a world of worry and anxiety, okay? So we've been talking about these habits. And so now we get to T minus three, two. And Jesus has moved the rocket to the launch pad. And he's got the big red button. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 33, he pushes the button. We're going to read just a few verses from Luke. And by the way, like I have us do all the time, we're going to then go all over the Bible to really try to understand and apply what Jesus is saying. I want you to hear the launch. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Launch. I've brought you to this moment to change the entire world. Be deployed, go, and live a life of radical generosity. I want you to write that down this morning. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to live a life of radical generosity, part one. Actually, we're going to take two weeks to do this, and I'll be really frank, two weeks is not enough time. So there's a lot to cover today. I want you to take notes. I I want you to follow along in your Bible, but really take some notes. We're going to cover a lot of things that will change your world and will change our world. God has called you and I into a life of radical generosity. You might say this morning, why generosity? I don't like to talk about generosity. I like to think it. I like to imagine it. I don't like to talk about it, okay? Well, why generosity? I'm going to show you the four quick reasons why Jesus chooses generosity. Number one, because generosity is the character of God. Maybe the most famous verse in the Bible, is, even if you're not a regular church person and you're just here, maybe because you lost a bet. But you're here this morning. Somebody twisted your arm. But I bet you know the most famous verse in the Bible. It's John 3, 16. It says, for God so... Can you say it with me if, you've, if you know it or kind of know it? If you kind of know it, just move your lips and mumble a little bit. And people will think you're amazing, okay? Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's do it again, but I want you to get hung up on a word with me. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. Like the heartbeat of God is generosity. When he looks at this broken, messed up world, the world that I get so mad about and you get so mad about, God looks at us and he just drips with generosity. It is who God is. It's at the very core of his being. Jesus calls us to a life of radical generosity because it is at the heart of the Father. Second, Because you and I swim in his ocean of generosity. 
We drink it in every day. Jesus said in John 10, he says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But let me tell you about the Father. The Father sent me that you may have life and have it to the full. If you are alive today, some of you need to double check. Okay? But if you're alive today, it's because of God's incredible generosity. He has given you another breath. He has given you another heartbeat. You and I breathe in his generosity all day long. Amen? Amen. Third reason why Jesus talks about generosity is because there is an incredible stewardship that's been given to you and me of which we are responsible. Not as many amens, but look at Genesis 1. This is the opening of your Bible and mine. God blessed them. And who's them? Anybody? Yes, Adam and Eve and every Adam and Eve since. Okay? God blessed them. Okay? We're swimming in the ocean of his generosity. And then he said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This entire world is waiting for you and for me to step up and stand in our place of stewardship and responsibility. God's called us to be generous, and the world awaits us taking on that mantle. Amen? Number four and last. Because there is nothing that reflects the Father his mission, or the freedom that he promises us, like a life of generosity. There is nothing that reflects the Father in your life and his mission and the freedom that we sing about more than when we live a life of radical generosity. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. A life of radical generosity reflects the work of God. You did not choose me, Jesus says. I chose you. I love that. You didn't choose me. I, I handpicked you. I chose you. And I've appointed you so that you might be launched off of this launch pad and go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and then whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I'm empowering you to live an incredible life, and that life is fueled by generosity. You and I are called of Jesus Christ to live a life of radical generosity. Now, the question then remains, what does that mean? How do I do that? What is Jesus really asking of me? Now, I want to be frank that there's a lot of bad teaching about money in the church. Okay, one, one kind of amen. We all know that, right? There's a lot of bad teaching about money and generosity in the church. So... Um, I, I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm just going to be truthful. We're not going to have bad teaching today. Okay? What we're going to do is we're going to unpack what Jesus says about generosity. And we're going to steal, because we're talking about generosity. 
We're going to steal from a 230-year-old sermon. I'm going to steal some language from a sermon given by John Wesley 230 years ago. Because it lines up so incredibly well with Luke chapter 12. He might not mind it. I want to read it again, and I'm going to back up one verse. And I want to read this passage again. And I'm going to back up one verse because I think it will let a little, little air out of the tire this morning before we keep diving in here and talking about money. But let's go back to verse 32. And Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that a great way to start? Don't be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Verse 33, so sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. One of the great fears around this conversation comes from the very first words in verse 33. Jesus says, sell. I don't like the word sell. He says, sell. Sell your possessions. It kind of hurts a little bit. I get a little worried. In fact, honestly, these, these few words have sparked a pretty incredible and long-lasting debate in the church for many, 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 many years. In fact, people have kind of positioned them on two sides of a, of a debate. I think the debate has been terribly unhelpful. And I think uh, one of the things that has been buried in this debate is that it appears on the surface, and people have used this to say that the call, the Christian call is to a life of Christian poverty. So I want to be really clear this morning as we dive in here that not here or in any place in the New Testament does Jesus or God in any way call us into poverty. I want us to be very clear. If you think that he's called us into poverty, you missed verse 32. Let's read it again. You want to read it again? Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You are a prince. You are a princess in the kingdom of God. God has given you so very, very much. And before we talk about generosity, we need to understand that third word, possessions. That God has given you a stewardship. The Bible talks about a general and a unique stewardship. We read about the general stewardship a minute ago in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis says as human beings, we have a general responsibility that we cannot escape. You and I have a general responsibility for the entire globe. Are we tracking? Yeah, we, we, we should, as Christ followers, have deep concern for all the physical things in the entire globe. We need to have a general responsibility for this time. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, but the Bible talks about not just a general stewardship, but the Bible talks about a specific or unique stewardship that every one of us has. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's talk about what this means real briefly. Before you were a tiny little baby in your mama's arms. God knew you, and he saw you, and he gifted you, and he's entrusted things uniquely to you and to nobody else. You have a unique stewardship, a unique possession that God has given to you specifically, and nowhere is God calling you to run away from it. 
Nowhere in Luke chapter 12 is Jesus saying, you know what? Be scared, friends. If you got some stuff, sell it as fast as you can and just run. Ah. What he's saying is wake up to the incredible stewardship that God has given you. God has entrusted you as a prince or a princess in God's kingdom with an incredible stewardship. Leverage it well. You guys might remember a little story Jesus told. It was called the parable of the talents. It's a parable Jesus tells about a master who, who gives three different people three different sets of stuff. One's the big bear with the big bed. One's the medium bear with the medium. Guys, I'm mixing up two stories. You guys track Okay, he gives, one guy he gives 10 talents, and another guy he gives five, and one guy he gives one talent, right? And he goes off and says, invested well, I'm coming back. And the guy with 10 is like, score, I'm going to invest it. And he does, he turns it into 20 talents. And the other guy's got five, he's like, score, I'm going to invest this. He says, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I've got this incredible responsibility. And he invests it, and he doubles it. He's now got 10. And the guy with one's like, uh-uh, I, I've lost so much in my life. I'm going to screw this up. I hate stuff. Stuff's bad. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to stuff it away. I'm going to close my ears. I'm going to run away. And when he comes back, I'm going to dig it up and be like, here's that stuff you gave me. I didn't know what to do with it. And I'm scared of you. You're a mean guy. That's my translation. It's pretty close. (laughs) Some of you, I'm just going to ask you, what happens? Who's God mad at? Is he mad at the guy that made it 20? No. How about the guy that made the 510? No, about the guy with the one. God entrusted you with so much. And you ignored this beautiful gift. You wasted an incredible gift of heaven. Cast him out into outer darkness. Nowhere in the New Testament is God calling for you and I to run away from stuff and things. John Wesley wrote 230 years ago, he says, um, a life of radical generosity begins with gaining all you can. I'd like you to write that down. If God has given you something, it's his intent for you to multiply it. Go forth and multiply. Now, listen, not at the cost of your family, not, not at the cost of your soul, not, not at the cost of greed growing in your life, not at the cost of your neighbor, but as, a, as an act of worship coming before the Father and say, God, I'm not sure exactly why you entrusted this to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow this and multiply this. I'm going to leverage it to its absolute maximum because you gave it to me. Colossians chapter 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Or check this as the other side of it. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul has to write this. He says, he says, when we were with you, we gave you this basic rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Don't run from your responsibilities that God has given you. Gain all you can. If God has given you um, some time, some talents, some gifts, and say, thank you, God, and multiply it. Number two. John Wesley, 230 years ago, said it this way. He said, after you gain all you can, he says, save all you can. 
I like it in, in uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus, after he says, sell your possessions, he says, interesting, he says, now provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out. Now, he's certainly talking about providing a, a purse in heaven, but he's not really talking about this really fancy bag that your mama wears, all right? That when he says purse, he's not talking about that. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a way to keep something. He's talking about a way to store something, to save something. I want you to create an investment strategy in heaven, and I want you to be able to save as much as you possibly can in that box in heaven. Now, I love it that Jesus is talking about saving because all through Scripture, we see that God, watch this, God hates waste. You guys might remember there's a little story um, I shouldn't say it's a little story. It's a really cool event. Jesus is with a ton of people, and they get real hungry. You guys remember this? They said it's like 5,000 people. And Jesus' disciples come to Jesus like, hey, we got trouble brewing. There's, they're going to storm. They're going like to storm the stage. People are so hungry. They're going to start eating our robes, okay? They're nervous. They're scared. The Jesus, send them away. Let them go get food. There's a Carl's Jr. around the corner. Jesus, would you send them away? Let them go. And Jesus is like, no. You guys remember what he said? You give them something to eat. I love that one. You give them something. And so they're like, what are you talking about? All we have is this little bitty lunch that this kid had. And he gave it to us. And we were hoping to stretch that couple of fish and some bread, just, just the 12 of us. And we're big men. Are you kidding? And he's like, yeah, I'm not kidding. You remember how it goes, right? Jesus feeds like 5,000 people. That would have been a really cool thing. Because I can imagine being a disciple and being like, at the end of that, I, I would have done this. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I would have thought, we're on the gravy train. Can you imagine every time we have only one chocolate chip cookie left, we bring it to Jesus, and we got 12. Right? Now, just think about it for a minute. If you were there that day, and you're like, are you kidding me? And you would just think, like, well, this is easy. At the end of this miracle, after, when they're like, they're like, oh, this is awesome, Jesus walks over and he says, it's recorded in John chapter 6. He said that when they had all had, had, had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. You guys read it with me? Let nothing be wasted. This is from the one who just turned some little fish into a buffet for 5,000 people. Whatever God has entrusted into your life is holy. Your job, your car, the $3 that's in your pocket, it, it doesn't matter if it's more or less than what they have God has entrusted to you, and it's holy. I love this in, in James 1. I told you I'm going to bounce you all over. Ready? James 1. Every good. Which, which ones? Every. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So whatever you have, whatever God has given you, treat it holy. I'm not going to go down the list. 
But that hits home, doesn't it? So let's go on to number three. Gain all you can and save all you can. And 230 years ago, John Wesley said it this way. He said, give all you can. I know that in the last two points, I tipped on some things that make us feel a little uncomfortable. It's only uncomfortable if you miss the point. Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Jesus says, you, you need to gain all you can and save all you can because I'm setting you in a direction to give absolutely all you can to the work of God. And if you miss that, you miss everything. Amen? It's really not about gaining stuff and saving stuff. Stuff itself by itself is deadly. I want you to read with me in James chapter 5. I'm going to read this up here. This is it's a hard one, but it, it should be read this morning. James 5 says, now listen, you rich people. By the way, he's talking to us. He's talking to you and me today. He says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and the moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The cro- their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatten yourselves in the day of slaughter. There's nothing wrong with gaining and saving if the whole objective is moving you to the launch pad to launch you to the incredible adventure of giving it all away. The danger is when that rocket tips. Anybody ever done a 4th of July party? We love 4th of July. man. We, we hold hands and lay back on the grass. It's romantic. Love seeing the boom, boom in the sky and our hearts go pitter-patter. You know, lean over for a little peck on the cheek. We love the 4th of July. Until all of a sudden, if that's in someone's backyard, and they got their own makeshift 4th of July celebration. You ever been in one of them? And, the, the, you know, the 13-year-old goes over to light that really big boom-boom thing. And when they light it, they tip it over. You guys ever been in one of those? Party's over very quickly. The boom-boom didn't change. The direction changed target changed. Jesus says, gain all you can, save all you can so that you will be on mission with me in the world. Our world so deeply and desperately needs the gospel not only spoken but lived out in our communities and our neighborhoods. Amen? That requires men and women who are living for heaven whose rocket is pointed to heavenly things. Paul writes it this way in the book of 2 Corinthians. He says, each of you should give each of you should give. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under a compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How you live today is so incredibly important. Amen? 
Listen, I knew this would be a little bit long. I'm going to go fast, but I got some things I got to share with you real quickly. How do you give all you can? I'm just going to share with you a little bit what Paul tells us. Number one, you got to first give. How do you give all you can? You got to first. Guys, I know it's not profound, but I'm around a lot of us. We, I've looked in the mirror. Like I like to think of myself generous. I tell myself I'm generous. I talk myself up all the time. It doesn't matter what I talk up and what I say and what I think. It matters what I do. Like at some point in this journey, God is, Jesus has moved you to the launch pad. And for some of us, he keeps pushing the big red button. And from the tower, thousands of miles away, they're peering in and like, it's igniting, we think. But nothing's happening. At, at some point in, in your journey, you have to make the decision to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go. I'm going to unwhite un knuckle this thing, and I'm going to give. The real basic first step to living a life of radical generosity is to give for the first time. Paul says you should give. And Paul says not only should you give, but he says you should give what you've decided in your heart. So it starts with giving, and then the second, it requires, a, I call it a game plan. I'm going to tell you three G's, giving and game plan. Like, God doesn't want you to just walk around and randomly I felt it. It just popped out of me. Just random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness are nowhere in the New Testament. Intentional acts of kindness are filled beginning to end. Like, make a decision. How are you and your family going to live? Paul says, make a decision. What you've decided in your heart to give. I want to encourage you. You, you should have a conversation today with your family and say, how are we going to live radically generous in 2024? That should be a table conversation. Or you should take a few moments a day to sit down just between you and God and say, God, how can I take a step and have a game plan to be radically generous? Now, there's an old ancient game plan given to us from the Old Testament. It's called the tithe. Anybody familiar with the word tithe? It just means 10%. It's a game plan. That's all it is, guys. It's not a special holy number. It's just a game plan. God says, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you have a plan? The first 10% of everything that I give you, you, initiate, you take it and you intentionally deploy it into the world. Then you will begin to live a life of radical generosity. Watch what wells up. I just want to say to you from my own experience, my wife and I are not people with a lot of means. But years ago, we made a decision to say, We're going to intentionally give a percentage of our income and we're going to grow it as much as we possibly can. And this family that has a very little means, I was just think, kind of adding it up. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't never said this to anybody out loud, so I'm going to take a risk here. I'm just going to share with you, this family with very little means has given almost a quarter of a million dollars away in 15 years. 
And that's not because we're people of means. It's because we said we want to be faithful. And so if you watch my wife start her car today, it's going to smoke like crazy. And we kind of care. But we care more like, God, we want you to use us for kingdom purposes. And you, listen, the same thing can happen in your life. If you say, God, I want to live this way. Give, have a game plan. And the third one is grow it. Paul says, enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. My hope and my prayer for this church is that every day it will become more radically generous. I hope your generosity grows. I hope, listen, nobody's going to gather at your funeral and go like, man, he had a lot of stuff and he kept it in a box. It's a really cool box. There may be people that gather during your uh, goodbye ceremony and say, I don't know how much money she had, but my life has been changed by her. She invested her life in this regular person, and I'm different today. I hope that the story of your life is that God enlarges the harvest of your righteousness because you are growing in generosity. 230 years ago, John Wesley said it this way. He said, gain all you can, save all you can, to give all you can. And I just want to add one to the very end. The fourth one is this, so that you can win all you can. The reason why Jesus pushes us up to this launch pad and launches us into the world is because he has this incredible heart for every man, woman, and child. God loves Tacoma, Pierce County. And he loves it so much that he handpicked you. God loves Tacoma, Pierce County, so much that he handpicked you. He has begun to work in you. He saved you. And he saved you not, not just for you, but for you and every other man, woman, and child in your circle. And he's pushed you to this launch pad. And I just want to encourage you, like, take your hands off of the things of this earth because you're so afraid. And instead, recognize this incredible position that you have and live radically generous with your life. And I promise you, there will be an enlarged reward, fruitfulness for your life. Amen? Amen. I've talked too long, but also not long enough. You have something that you should do. So I asked you earlier to take notes. I want you to take a minute and sort back through your notes. And I, and I want you to, just between you and God, I want you to make a decision. If your decision is like, man, we should start giving intentionally to the work of God in this church, I want to encourage you to do that. By the way, little little thing, I'm just going to tell you something I feel strongly about this. And the New Testament guidance is about giving. I think you should give first to your church, 
second to the poor, and third to the work of God around the world. I think that's sort of the way that Christ followers should give. First to God's kingdom work in his church, second to the poor, and third to God's work around the globe. And if, and if this morning you're like, man, I, I want to get on board with this, then make a step. If you were convicted about like some like laziness and fear, then you talk to God about that. If you get some conviction about, man, I'm just not protecting this great stuff God has given me, then talk to God about it. I'm going to let Riley play for just a moment, and I want you and God to talk. Deal? Let's do it. If you would, bow your heads with me. Father, we, we breathe in and we breathe out your generosity. This morning, I, I recognize that there may be a friend or two here that, um, that what they really needed to hear this morning rather than just a, a talk on managing things was to, to hear, see, and feel that you are here. That as hard as life has been, as many challenges as that we have been facing, that truthfully, you have been so persistent in your pursuit of me. And God, I pray for that man or that woman that's here today and feels so distant and far from you. I pray, Father, that Today and the days to come, you would just wash over them. They would see and feel and experience your generosity. And I ask that they would come to a moment that they give their life completely to you, Jesus. Many of us in this room have asked you, Jesus, to come in and change and save us. And it has been such an incredible journey. You have moved us to the launch pad. And I pray... I pray that you would raise up radical, generous men and women in this day for this county, this city. God, I pray that you'd raise up a church that's radically generous, that's dripping with generosity. And I pray that there would be incredible fruit that follows. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to pass some baskets. This is our giving back to God time. Some friends are going to start passing from the right, move it to the left. I want to encourage you to do a couple things. One, drop in that connection card. It's a blue card. Let us know that you're here. Maybe something you're praying for, a decision that you're making. If the, if the baskets go by and you're still writing, that's fine. There's a box right over here that says connection card. Just drop it in as you head out. If you want to give financially, you can also give via those baskets or there's some instructions up on the screens around me if you want to be a part of that. We would love to invite you to be a part of that with us. Then the team's going to lead us in a song, and then Bobby will give us a couple of instructions. So thank you, my friends.
Oh, I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures the fame Were never enough And you came along Put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Hearing you love Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you. I know it's true. And I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you see them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley And there's not a place Your mercy and grace Won't find me again Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. You turn morning to day. You give beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory You're the only one who cares You turn morning to dancing You give beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory you're the only one who can. You turn graves. You turn graves into goddess. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the Nothing is better 
Praise God. Hallelujah. As a recovering Baptist, we could do that for three hours, y'all. I'd be all right. Thank you so much for choosing to join us here at Discovery today. As you leave, don't forget to sign up for All In. Turn in your connection card. Find someone in the foyer and ask a question about All In. We'd love to see you there. Family meeting starts in 10 minutes, so please go get your little. Bring them back here. Say hi to a friend. Um, guests are welcome. And if you call Discovery your home, we'd love to see you at All In. Goodbye, friends. We'll see you next week.